This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, good afternoon to you in New York. Uh, what is it, 1 o'clock there or something? One fourteen. One fourteen. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and I'm in San Francisco. So uh, we've got a great guest today, as always, and we're going to talk about the journey through, through grief. And uh, we're going to talk to... Um, uh, Noreen Dresser, and one of the things that we've looked at uh, at Noreen's work, Heidi, is uh, we're going to talk about the loss of her husband and, and saying goodbye to someone you love, but also she's done a lot of cross-cultural stuff, which we really find uh, very important and interesting, don't we? Absolutely, and it's interesting to know the way different cultures grieve and different rituals that they use, and it's always helpful for me to hear um how I can incorporate that in my own my own journey. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, uh, her husband died in, in 2007 after a year in hospice care. I don't know if you remember this, Heidi, but uh, I was involved with hospice at the very beginning. Uh, one of the first hospices, hospices, actually the first home hospice in the United States, was in Rochester, New York, and it wow, was. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh huh. And uh, I worked with them, and it was a visiting nurse service. And Noreen's going to just flip when I tell her this. We had at that time Blue Cross Blue Shield gave us twenty-four hour, seven day a week services as part of uh, you know as part of your health care insurance. So we were we were doing some of the first home care in hospice. It was it was a pretty amazing and actually I did my dissertation on the strengths and needs of hospice nurses. So which was published in, that, huh? yeah, in the Journal of Nursing. So hospice is a, a near and dear thing to my heart. So um, Noreen's written a book uh, and we'll find out uh, with Frida Wasserman and we'll find out how she met Frida and how she got into doing the book. But her book is Saying Goodbye to Someone You Love, Your Emotional Journey Through the End of Life and Grief. Uh, welcome to the show, Noreen. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's great to have you Can on. Hi, here. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Heidi Ho. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everybody calls me that. I, I know, you. you can't help it. Go. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I even saw a boat once that was called a Heidi Ho. <laughs> Well, it was a very famous song. You're probably too young to know that. No, Heidi, ho, 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 right, Noreen? <laughs> so, Noreen, tell us a little bit about your husband. I didn't get his name down here, and I always love to hear people's names. And Yes, his name uh, was Harold, and he was, he was 84 when he went into hospice care. So, but it doesn't matter if it's 84 or 94, it would have been still devastating to have a doctor tell me that he was terminal, that word terminal, and the word hospice. I, I just didn't know what any of that meant. And he, um, we were, uh, I was very fortunate throughout the whole, the whole stage of life because uh, he was in the hospital, and it was all heart-related, so he was not in pain. And uh, my family, and you know, when you raise kids, you don't know what to expect. You're always, you always think of yourself as mom. And it was so, such a surprise to me how everybody rallied. And when the day came to make the decision, a representative from hospice care was in the hospital room, and we talked about the advantages of it in front of him. 
and my daughters were there. My daughter-in-law was there, and she held up the phone so my son could hear. He was out of town, and so he could hear and he could ask questions. So it was a unanimous decision, and my husband just wanted to go home and not be readmitted and readmitted and answer the same old questions and not feel very good afterwards. So it seemed like the logical thing to do, but for the for the, for me, the wife, uh, it was it was so scary. And well, it's it's quite a what quite a slap in the face in a lot of ways. We we used to talk about this early on, particularly in hospice. I don't know what the um, what the terms are now, but uh, at one time they had to be, and Heidi may not know this, six months eminently terminal. And uh, in order to be put in the program, so suddenly you have been given six months to live. And uh, there was always a question about that is, you know, early on, we didn't do that. And, you know, as oh, really? hosp- oh no, as hospice went on, it became a discussion, you know, I mean, what about it was the insurance companies, you know, saying that we have to have some limit on this, not everybody can have the kind of care they're given. Mom, I think I love what Noreen said when she said it doesn't matter if they're 84 or 94. It doesn't matter because being given that kind of message that, you know, my spouse, my husband is dying. You know, people always say that they die before their time. And my, my response is everybody dies before their time, no matter how old they are, because you know what? We are never ready to lose the people no. that we love, no matter how, you know, how long I- we've had them on this earth. That's right, and it and you know we're selfish. We want to keep them as long as we can. Absolutely. And uh, but I had to go along with my family decision. It made sense, you know, that I didn't mm-hmm. want to do admitting again, and 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 not come out any better. So bringing him home was very daunting. But a very interesting thing happened is I we belonged to Kaiser. And so I was walking uh, out of the hospital by myself after that meeting and sort of in a daze, and I ran into my gynecologist of all people. And she said, you know, how are you? And I said, well, my husband's going to be home in home hospice. And I guess I, 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 she saw by my emotions that I was devastated and scared. And she said very calmly, oh, you'll be able to do it. You're a strong woman. And telling me <clears throat> that, gave me such a boost. I know, I mean, I never thought of myself as a weak person ever, but a strong woman, then it, it really helped me so much. She has no idea. You know what? When you say that, I think you have no idea how many people you help out there by saying that. Just those words, you know, you're a strong woman, you can do it. You know, when you raise a family, you you deal with everything. And I know... I. I didn't have the devastation that the two of you faced when your son and brother died, but it doesn't matter. You know, you see the the kids through all sorts of things, and and if you survive, you are strong. Absolutely. And so, um, and then when they started bringing in the equipment, when they brought brought the equipment in, and then there was the sign on the door that there was oxygen in use, all of those things, I just brought the fear level up higher and higher and higher. But what helped me the most was when the hospice nurse came for her first visit, and then suddenly I realized I wasn't alone in this. I mean, my kids have been fab- fabulous, but they don't—they didn't live with me at the time, 
and um, so you know. It's so how how long how long was he um, how long was it before he passed away? A year. Wow! So you had him there for a year. Nine months, and then he did really well. And they discharged him, and then he started losing weight. Now, did you lose your hospice caregivers when they discharged him? That's one of the big issues, too, is yeah. they discharge people. You lose all your workers. You lose everybody who know the, knew well, the history, and then it can be difficult. You know what? The truth of the matter was I didn't have, you know, I didn't have workers here. I had the hospice nurse and me, but I felt that she was so close at hand, and because he had control of all his bodily functions, you know, we could manage. Did you get a new nurse when uh, when you were discharged? No, we w- she came right back. Oh, that's fabulous, because sometimes that doesn't happen. Well, let's fast forward to uh, the loss, because the reason I say that, because I know there are a lot of people out there who are really relating to this experience. And the thing is... Um, when you, it's been my experience in working in hospice because I was a nurse. Um, is that it's hard when they after they do die, you've got all the equipment, you've got everything, and you've also been spending your whole time taking care of them. Here you are, sort of in a way, without the day to day things that you were doing. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? I will. I, I I put off everything while I cared for him, and um, so. And we had we had a very funny relationship. Funny in the true word. We made a lot of bad jokes. Um, me especially, but he got used to me. <laughs> I trained him right. So um, I I, t- I told him towards the end. He said, "Now is everything you know? Do you know how to do everything?" And I said, "Yes." And we went to the gas station, and he because he could get out, and he um, he checked to make sure I knew how to fill up the gas tank because that was his job. And um, and so, uh, do you know how to do everything? Are our finances okay? I said, yeah, I've taken over everything. And I said, but I'm going to tell you the first thing I'm going to do after you die. And he said, what? I said, I'm going to get rid of all your clothes. He hoarded clothes. And <laughs> so, because I said it, and I said it more than once, I inadvertently gave myself permission to do it. I, lo- I love how you told him, too. Yeah, so I felt free to do it. And (laughs) so I, uh, he died on a Friday, the funeral was Monday, and by Thursday a a charity group had already come and taken everything away because uh, I had my son and my granddaughter help me. Uh And so then I took care of house repairs. I had my shoulder repaired. I did everything. And so he died in February, but it was in December that I that that it hit me. I did all the chores. So you really got you really got task oriented, and you know. Yeah, well, you got your house in order exactly. And I, um, and so uh, on the same day, my kids call me all the time. So one daughter called, and she said, "I maybe you should go for bereavement therapy." And I said, "You know what? I was just looking that up right now." And then my other daughter said. You know, Mom, why don't you get a cat? And so I did both things. And um, the bereavement... We got a dog, didn't we, Heidi? Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, we ended up with two after a year. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and I got the cat. He was not easy to take care of because, you know, I got him from the pound, but I just adore him. And um, But I met Freda at... Uh, he died in 
February, it was either March or April, I had told, because I'm a writer and... Yeah, you've written, and hopefully we'll get to a little bit of that, a lot of cross-cultural books, which I think is fascinating. So you, so you met, uh, you it's Freda? I met Freda. Your co-author for our audience. Uh-huh. And uh, I was telling her about it, and she said, well, if there's anything I can do to help you, let me know. So I sent her the proposal for my book. And she okayed it. But as time went on, I realized I needed to have someone from the bereavement industry. It's bad to call it industry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds so crass. And she was very happy to join me. So we joined forces, and we became so close. And it was just a perfect blending of backgrounds and experiences. And so... um, took a long time to sell the book because I have an agent, and um, publishers don't want to do books on death. Oh, we know that, don't we, Heidi? But finally, my it was my agent that I give credit to because she, just before I came on board with this book, she had uh, been with a friend who died in hospice, so she was very committed to it. And originally, it was just about hospice, but then we expanded it to end of life, and we found a publisher who does health and medical books and they didn't have anything in their catalog with that topic and so that's why they took us on. So so you got narratives in it, right? Uh, stories about lots of them and uh, narratives and uh, we interviewed about 150 people and then we have guidelines at the end of each chapter so how to talk about death and um, one of the interesting things was as I say, my husband and I had uh, different views on things, and he used to say, if if I die, and I go, if, <laughs> <laughs> and finally, you know what, he learned to say, when I die, and mm-hmm. it, it might seem like a, a small thing, but it's a very big change when you say when I die instead of if so, I die. So, so, Noreen, I'm wondering, what is the most? what was the most difficult thing? About becoming a widow, uh, just just not having that person to laugh with at the end of the day and tell all mm. tell all the things that happened that he would have been interested in that you someone else might be interested in, but you'd have to fill in too much background because we were together all the time. Uh, he mm. retired, and um, and my work is at home, so we were all, always together and always went places together. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate in that, uh, and he, he he was a very unusual man. I have lots and lots of friends, and they're all female, and they're widowed or never married or divorced or and even gay friends, and. Mm-hmm. That he was real happy to go out with with them, and he'd be the only man in the group. So my wow, social life awesome. did not change, and mm-hmm. he liked going out because everybody fussed over him. You know, he was <laughs> <laughs> the token male <laughs> escort, and he loved being surrounded by women, especially nice-looking women. Wonderful. He sounds like so, a great guy. So you know, I know in many cases, you know, if you just do the couples thing. Um, it's very it, it, it's isolating, but it didn't make it, it. It did not change anything in my situation. But mm-hmm. um, there's just things that you share with with your intimate person, and um, 
you know, that's gone. Well, I wanted to ask you something, because I know you've done the cross-cultural kind of things. Do you have any memorial things that you do? Any ideas for people in remembering their loved one? Yes, Fred and I joke with each other. We hope we don't die suddenly, because we want to plan our <laughs> our funerals and our memorials. There was uh, I interviewed a woman at uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and uh, she told me about a great idea um, that at the memorial the family brings treasured items that the deceased owned and puts them all out on a table, and all the friends can select one to take home with them. And I just thought, what a great like idea. That. That is a, Isn't that terrific? That's terrific, especially during the holidays you could do that, too. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. You could do that anytime. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm a, an obituary reader because... I think we all get to be when we're older, aren't we? <laughs> we're looking at the pictures. <laughs> and, um, and so I go over them every day because I was born and have lived all my life in... Um, in Los Angeles, and I'm now 79, so I know a lot of people. And uh, mm-hmm. but I saw a wonderful thing yesterday that requested that everybody at the at the memorial should wear a, uh, a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I and love I thought, it. You know, yeah. isn't that wonderful? That really is. You know, I was recently in Nigeria. And when people there, when they go to special events, everybody gets the fabric and makes a shirt or a dress out of the same fabric. Oh, really? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, which is really an interesting custom. Well, tell us uh, how people will find your books and get to your website. And we didn't even get to your other books, which are, you've written some wonderful books, Come come As You Are, Feeling at Home with Multicultural Celebrations. Um, You know, uh, really interesting information that you've done. How do people get a hold of your book, uh, Saying Goodbye to Someone You Love? It's easily available on. Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, and um, it's being processed, so it'll be for Kindle and eBooks and iBooks, uh, the iPad, you know, right? Which I think is, um, and my website is um, www. And it's my name, all one one word: n o r i n e d r e s s e r. Well, thank you so much. www.noreendresser.com And thank you so much for being on the show today, Noreen. It's been uh, wonderful to talk to you, and uh, best wishes on your, still on your journey a bit. It's only been three years, right? The journey's never over. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree with that, uh, Noreen. Thank you very much, Noreen. And thank you for helping other people with their journey through grief. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Heidi, Noreen's quite a character. I love the humor. I would love to know her more. I have a feeling we'd be laughing quite a bit being around Noreen. <laughs> Absolutely. And a lot of the things she said we can do today. I mean, you could have people over today and have them wear, like I was thinking with Scott, we could have everybody over and say, you have to wear something that symbolizes the New York Jets. Right. With a T-shirt or a sweater, right, et cetera, right. and let's have a party. You could do it today. Absolutely. Well, I, I love to have parties, almost all of them. I, I give them their homework. It's, you know, a teacher hangover. Uh, you know, they always have to do something like wear a hat that represents them or their life, and it's just a, it's just so much fun. I can't wait to be at one of your parties, Noreen. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Noreen. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.